Before we get into the main content of today's podcast, I want to take a second and kind of give you an update on what's happening with Gray Matters, the podcast, in the reboot mode that we're in. Now, this is the third or fourth episode since we've rebooted the podcast, and we are going to be making some substantial changes over the next several months on the podcast. I want to make sure we're all on the same page so you understand exactly what it is we are doing, and so that you can also hopefully lend a hand and help give me some guidance to make sure that the podcast is evolving in the way that serves you the best. So generally speaking, I am absolutely thrilled with the direction Gray Matters is taking. Baby boomers and Gen Xers are embracing this product. They're embracing the effort that we're doing on Facebook and with other media here at Dottotech to try and educate and try and lift baby boomers and Gen Xers up to understand a little bit more what our place is in the digital age and helping us to learn how to build our businesses, pivot and uh, and reinvent ourselves all of the main goals and objectives that I've been talking about for Gray Matters. Now, uh, in that spirit, we are going to be modifying this podcast to better serve that community over the next couple of months. And exactly how those modifications will will ultimately play out, I still don't know. I've, that's why we're testing things out. We don't know exactly where we're going, but we know the general direction we're heading in. <laughs> we'll see what it looks like, I guess when we get there. But herein lies the challenge. When I created my YouTube channel for a community, I had a wonderful asset in YouTube comments for people to tell me right away whether or not they liked or didn't like the direction we were taking and give me feedback on the videos and tell me what sort of content they wanted in future videos. It was a dream come true. I would dearly love to have the same input from the community here it gray matters, but the challenge is podcasts don't have the same kind of home and you aren't consuming podcasts in the same space as you are videos. So people are a less likely to comment, but B it's more difficult for people to comment and share their thoughts with you because typically speaking, the podcasts don't have a home for conversation. This is a challenge. This is one of the challenges in growing podcasts that I'm learning as I spend more time working on the podcast. It is not a insurmountable challenge, but it nevertheless is a challenge. So here we are now having a conversation with our internal team of where we want to have the conversation with our community, where we want to focus you so that you can talk to us with the goal, of course, being if you're talking to us and letting us know what you like and what you don't like, then we can craft this podcast to be of even more value to you in the future. But where to have that conversation. So currently we are thinking probably the best place to have this conversation is on Facebook. Now I know there's all sorts of challenges attached to doing, to having conversations on Facebook. A lot of you don't like the forum. I'm not thrilled with it as a social network, but it does serve the purpose as well for having conversations. So for the next little while, those of you who are our early adopters that are really believing that this podcast is heading in the right direction and you want to be part of this community, I'm going to encourage you to come to Facebook. There'll be a link in the program notes here. Come to our Facebook into the gray zone on in Facebook where we are hosting the Gray Matters community. Look for the podcast episodes and posts in there and add comments. Tell us what you like, what you don't like, ideas that you'd like to see more of in the podcast, what's working and what's not working. I promise you, if you take the time to let me know what you think about how the where this podcast is going, I will endeavor to craft the content to serve you better. Steve Dotto here. How the heck are you doing this fine day? Welcome to Gray Matters, the podcast for those of us in 
the gray zone. What is the gray zone? Primarily baby boomers and Gen X, those of us sporting a touch of gray. We're interested in finding our place in the digital age. On this podcast, we will learn about online marketing, community building, social networking, all from our perspective. The world's changing. The job market is not interested in us anymore. We're facing the prospect of a reluctant retirement, and that is not cool. We need a side hustle to take our experience and put it to work for us. We need to develop mad skills, adapt, and evolve in order to remain relevant in the digital age. I can help. This podcast can help. I'm glad you found us. As I mentioned off the top of this week's podcast, we are going to be trying out some different things in our format in presentation of the podcast to see exactly what works best in order to make sure that this podcast has as much value as we can possibly deliver to you, our community. So this week, I'm going to talk about a few different topics. We could have a main topic, and our main topic is going to be the topic of failing forward, the concept that it is better for us to take a positive attitude towards failure than see it as the defeat, as the colossal paralyzing defeat that most baby boomers view failure as. There's a whole different way to look at it. We're going to take a look at that today. We're also going to take a look, make sure that you and I are on the same page about exactly what a side hustle is. I talk about side hustles a lot in this podcast, and I want to make sure that you and I know exactly what we're referring to as I talk about what a side hustle is. And finally, we're going to take a look at a blog post that was shared with me, which discusses the five most common mistakes that baby boomers make when they're starting a business, when you are becoming entrepreneurial, especially if you're coming out of a corporate environment or a business environment and starting a job for the first time or starting a business for the first time. What are the five most common mistakes you and I as baby boomers tend to make when we are starting that uh, new business? Let's kick things off by talking about the concept of failure. I had a fascinating conversation not too long ago at dinner with a millennial friend of mine who is a very successful businessman and he's got two young children and we were talking about parenting and I was giving him a hard time. I don't know if you know about this millennial parenting technique around Christmas called Elf on the Shelf. Personally, I think it is one of the worst ideas in parenting since bad parenting ideas came along. The whole idea, for those of you that don't know, behind this elf on the shelf is a couple of weeks before Christmas or a month or so before Christmas, you take a little elf and you put it on the shelf and you tell your weans that that elf is spying on them and reporting back to Santa Claus to let him know if they are naughty or nice. And then what you do is at nighttime, you move the elf to a different position in the house. So the kids, and then you tell the kids that the elf comes alive at night and it moves around and then it sits down and spies on them again. It is horrifying. It is absolutely horrifying if you stop and think about it. And those parents, those millennial parents who embrace the elf on the shelf, you, my friends, are going to pay a price at some point in the future with your children. I just don't. It's bad enough that we teach them that things that aren't real are real, which we've all done. But oh my gosh, that social engineering, that manipulation, you are going to pay a steep price. So anyways, I was probably teasing him about this and we got into talking about parenting. And he explained to me a philosophy that he and his wife have with their children, which 
I was, I, I, it caused pause in me and it, it gave me this podcast episode because it has fascinated me ever since. And it's, I, I'm a little bit frustrated because I feel like I'm late to the party on this. Somebody, some, somebody sent out invitations on this philosophy and the invitation never reached me. So I never heard about this concept of failing forward, of embracing failure in your personal life, in your business life and in your family life. Now, as baby boomers, failure was always something to be scorned, to be avoided at any cost. Our parents would never, ever reward failure with their children. I'm speaking, generally speaking, I certainly with none of the baby boomer children that I know, our parents would never, they, they celebrated success. They would encourage us to succeed. But if we failed, we would often be punished for failure. That philosophy in many households has gone completely by the wayside. Instead, when he's putting his kids to bed at night, he asks them, so what did you fail at today? And they tell him about things that they tried that didn't work, places that they'd had made mistakes. And he asks them what lessons they learned. And he shares with them things that he could have done better through the day and how he was looking to improve and learn from those lessons. And I thought, my gosh, that is a incredible gift. If you can put yourself in that position, think about how much the fear of failure often paralyzes us. Think about the position that so many baby boomers are in now pivoting, reinventing themselves. And one of the overriding things that are holding us back is fear of failure. Yet we have whole generations now that have an entirely different philosophy on failure. Now they aren't looking forward to failure. Don't get me wrong. They aren't celebrating failure as, is if you have a chance to succeed and you have a chance to fail, it's better to fail. It, it, that's not the case. They're still striving for success, but when they come up short, they take solace and they take actual pleasure from the lessons that they learned. And the fact that they can now take that experience and do better next time. And as I say, I've been fascinated by this. And so I did a lot of research. I spent a lot of time over the next couple of months reading different articles and finding what different experts had to say on this entire philosophy that I was in the dark to until quite recently. So I'm going to share with you a few of the lessons because I think that if we can embrace this or even some parts of this philosophy, it's going to be so helpful to our generation because as I say, we don't accept failure lightly. It is, it is a devastating thing to us. Often it can be devastating and it can be paralyzing and it can be the, often the reason that we don't succeed is, I mean, it stands to reason that the reason you don't succeed is failure, but failure and accepting failure is the reason that we often don't succeed. So let's explore for the rest of this podcast today, this world of accepting failure, even embracing failure. And how can we implement that in our lives and what lessons are out there. So the first is that the philosophy of failing forward is you have to put a hundred percent effort in no matter what, but, but success isn't necessarily the goal. The journey is the reward to quote, uh, I believe it was Steve Jobs book. But if you can embrace the fact that the experience that you get from any new venture is the real goal, as opposed to some market, some markable uh, success point, well, then you're farther ahead because you are going to get something out of it, no matter what the end result is. And you are going to be able to continue to move the ball downfield. The next philosophy is 
fail big. Shoot for the stars. And we've always, there's lots of little, there's lots of little kishi memes that talk about shoot for the stars. And, you know, even if you, regardless, and when you fall short, you're still way far ahead. Well, there's a lot of truth to that. I think as baby boomers, we often shoot for success. So we limit our goals because to ones that our experience tells us we can attain so that we don't end up disappointing ourselves. We end up minimizing our goals. Under this philosophy, do you don't do that. You shoot for as high as you can. And ultimately then, even if you fall short of your ultimate goal, where you do land is farther ahead than if you just planned for what you knew could be successful. I think that's one that really excites me is that is the ability, is the freedom to plan big. And you will plan bigger if you don't have the fear of failure. The next key is how you react to failure. And that is you have to analyze it, you have to accept it, you have to embrace it, and you have to move on. Analyzing it means that failure is only worthwhile if you learn something from it. If you sit and you ponder and you deconstruct what happened so you can understand what worked and what didn't in your venture. If you don't do that, if you just make the same mistakes over and over again, I don't think that's in the philosophy of failing forward because (laughs) we've got to learn from our mistakes. The whole philosophy is to learn from your mistakes. So a big part of that is analyzing it. Also accepting the realities of the situation. What did you have control over? What didn't you have control over in it? And then embracing that failure saying, okay, I'm good with that. Let's do this again, or let's do it this time slightly differently. Part and parcel with that is don't make the same mistakes twice. That's a difficult thing for baby boomers. I think often when we fail, our, our response is I'm going to do it again, just the way I did it, but I'm going to try harder. And that is a recipe for disaster. Typically speaking, we try our hardest every time anyways, or at least I do. And most of the people I know give it a hundred percent effort every time. So there isn't actually more effort to give. Maybe you can be a little bit smarter, but if you do things the same way, the chances are you are going to have the same result. If you do all these things, then the cool thing about it is fear then doesn't stop you. Fear of failure doesn't even enter into your mind as you enter new ventures, which means you're far freer to make perhaps more radical, more aggressive decisions. Uh, You don't worry as much. You don't have the recrimination. You don't beat yourself up afterwards, which is a, let's face it, that is a sport that we all are very, very good at is when we make a mistake, when we have a failure in any part of our business or personal lives, we are really good at telling ourselves exactly what we did wrong and letting ourselves know what we think of ourselves are we not. But if you don't have a fear of failure, if there's no stigma attached, we can't beat ourselves up. And that's a good thing too. Now, as I've said, this is all new to me, and I don't know whether it's new to you or if it's something that you've embraced in the past. Like any of these different business or life philosophies, it has to have been around for quite some time. And as I say, I don't know why I discovered it so late in life, but I'm glad I did. And I'm enjoying the voyage of discovery of trying to rewire my brain to view failure with a different perspective. Make sure you drop by our Facebook page, The Gray Zone on Facebook. There will be a link 
in the description here in the podcast. And let me know what you think about this entire philosophy of failure. Is it something that you have embraced? Is it new to you? Do you have some thoughts on it? Uh, do you have any experience with I know we all have plenty of experience with failing, but do you have any experience? And can you share with me any stories you have about how you have embraced failure and it has springboarded you to greater success than you ever imagined? I am fascinated to hear your stories about this topic. It is something I imagine I will be returning to regularly. I, as I say, I am trying to make it my new philosophy. Have we had a conversation, you and I, about just what a side hustle is? It's kind of come to my attention that I talk a lot about different business models here on this podcast, and one that I refer to a lot as a side hustle. But I'm not entirely 100% sure that we're all on the same page on what a side hustle is. So allow me to explain to you my perspective, 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 my perspective of what a side hustle is. Now, typically speaking, a side hustle, as far as I'm concerned, is a job that you do, which is outside of your normal activities. Now you can still have a side hustle when you're retired, but more often than not, you will be gainfully employed in some venture. And it could be an entrepreneurial venture of your own. You could be working for yourself or you could be working for somebody else, but you start a side business, something that's not right at the core and not with the same business goals and objectives as your main business. So for example, it would be difficult for me to have a side hustle because my podcast and my videos and my courses, they all are focused on my brand Dottotech. However, if I was to say, start selling Amazon products on the side, selling hardware on the side and trying to promote that into Amazon, that could be a side hustle because it's something outside of my normal area of business that I do in my spare time. Now, what is the purpose of a side hustle, Steve? Good question. I'm glad you asked it because it can be a variety of different purposes. It can be a hobby, something you do on the side. It can be a charity, something you're doing for others and as a personal passion project. It can be a seed that you germinate, that you want to grow and eventually grow into something that could become your main hustle having it transfer from being a side hustle, something off the side of your desk to your main hustle, your main area of income. That's especially valuable. If you are currently employed or working in an industry, you start a side hustle with the view that the side hustle can be the mechanism that transitions you out of that main industry or is an insurance policy against you losing your job or being forced out of employment at some time in the future or retiring or moving. There are a lot of different reasons that you might want to have a side hustle, but recognizing that I guess the hallmarks are, it's not a full-time income. It's a side project that you are starting for either passion or for some other interest, but you are growing it and you don't have the same necessary pressures on you with a side hustle as you do on starting a new business, even though in a lot of ways it is starting a new small business, but you don't have to rely on it for your main income and it is not, it doesn't have those pressures attached to it. If you are starting an online business as your only income, you aren't 
doing a side hustle. You are starting a new business. You are in startup mode. You're in entrepreneurial mode and you are a startup business, not a side hustle. So you have to accelerate the, uh, the growth of that and it has to perform much more quickly. Side hustles can take some time to mature. Both side hustles and main hustles can pivot. You can be building your business, recognize that there's a better revenue opportunity or something that you're more interested in doing in some other area, and you can pivot into those areas as you go along. But I just wanted to take a moment and make sure that we are all on the same page about what a side hustle is, because we obviously talk about it an awful lot on this podcast, and I think it's important that we're all on the same page. The other day I stumbled across a blog post which caught my attention. It's from the site Next Avenue. I'll have a link in the description. The blog post's title was The Five Big Mistakes Boomers Make When Switching Careers. Thought to myself, hmm, wish I'd seen this before I switched careers. <laughs> Let's have a look at what they are, think are the top mistakes that we all make. Mistake number one not testing your new career first. Number two, not managing expectations. Number three, not knowing what matters most. Number four, not seeking training first. Like that one. Number five, not having a plan B. This is an interesting list. And, and if we kind of dive a little bit deeper into some of these points, the mistake number one, not testing your new career first. I like that as advice, but I believe that they are ignoring the fact that so many of us now can start our new career before we end our old career. The concept of the side hustle is so very valuable where you, while you are doing your gainful nine to five employment, starting something off the side of your desk at home at night, you're starting and in, in doing so. You test the, you test out exactly what the marketplace is and you figure out what it is that you should be doing. So it actually, by starting with a side hustle, as opposed to full stop, pivot, start something new. If you start with a side hustle, you get, you can mitigate so many of these errors that are listed here in this article. Uh, the next one, managing, not managing expectations. Well, if, again, if you've got a side hustle, you have a good idea of what, how it can perform of, of just exactly what you can expect to generate as far as revenue, as far as traffic and the viability of a business. If you start with a side hustle, you have stress tested it for viability before you go all in. It's a great way to go. Not knowing what matters most. That's mistake number three. And I think that probably that the, the basis of that could well be the fact that when, if you are going full stop where you've been let go from a company or your employment has been terminated suddenly and you're starting from the beginning, you are scrambling a and B your focus is not necessarily on the things that are going to cause success, but your focus is on survival of just getting this new business off the ground. And you're not really concentrating on what the long-term goals and objectives are, but instead you're looking at survival, which is what you have to do at that point. I mean, let's face it, 90% or I don't know what percentage, but most businesses take two years to reach profitability. And we know that a majority of new startup businesses fail. So survival is going to be your key. And if you're 
keyed on survival, you are actually keyed on what matters most in the moment, but long-term you're not necessarily keying on what matters the most. So that's a mistake and that's probably going to inhibit growth and you're going to reach a point at some point down the road that that becomes a, that becomes a serious issue. Mistake number four, I love not seeking training first, especially for baby boomers. We don't have, we've got a vast treasure trove of experience already, but we don't have time to learn the lessons uh, that we can be taught uh, as we start new businesses out. So if you don't understand the world of CRMs and how that software works, or if you need to learn about website development because you are going to do your own website, rather than muddling through it yourself, which we could do. And we can do. And if you're 30, it's no big deal to do. But if you're 55, you know, take the shortcut. Learn it in two months as opposed to slowly developing it over two years with all of the scars that are that are along with it. Because we just simply don't have the the luxury of leisurely learning the skills that we need with the amount of time that we have left in business. We any shortcut we can take to knowledge, any shortcut we can take to skills is a shortcut worth considering. And that is investing in yourself, investing in training. Love that one. And then their last one is not having a plan B. And I don't think that that's that big a deal. Uh, obviously if your business fails, you have to have a gross plan B, which is, you know, what are we going to do to survive and to keep our house, etc. So you must have thought it through of what else you could be doing, but plan B's for business. I think are things that will probably occur naturally if you have the courage to pull the trigger in the form of pivots. I think most of us, or many of us, when we start out an online business, we know the market, we know the community we want to serve. Hopefully we understand the pain of our customer that we're solving and we know what we can do to alleviate that pain, which is the basis of our business. But often we will not have taken the right product to market. Often we'll have taken a product that we think the product, the market wants as opposed to what the market actually wants. And by paying attention to the conversations you have early. And again, this is something that can be really stress tested nicely when you have it as a side hustle, but you will often the initial offering that you bring to the marketplace, you will switch. And what you ultimately have success with will be something that looks quite a bit different, or maybe is an entirely different vein than what you originally perceived to be the product and market as you initially launched. So being prepared to pivot, I would say is, is a big mistake or not being prepared to pivot, not being flexible in your thinking and flexible in your approach might be, in my opinion, a bigger mistake than not having a plan B. But overall, it's a good article to give us thought and to, to reinforce the processes that we're going through, especially if you are embracing the concept of side hustle that have grow into something bigger. Just one final reminder to join us on Facebook at The Gray Zone. Looking forward to your comments, your suggestions, your feedback on this podcast. Till next week, I'm Steve Dotto. Have fun storming a castle. <laughs>